This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of season two of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Hosey Jr. of the class of 2008. And we have a very exciting show for you all tonight. We're going to start off venting about the Music City Bowl, which was some old bull jive. And then we're going to talk about the aftermath of the Garrett Schrader versus Willie Gay incident. What they say, I got two black eyes. What is it? <laughs> and then we will talk about action steps for next season, which some would say that the solution is to just throw the whole coaching staff away. So uh, we're going to do like we do every week, and I'm going to introduce the guys. We're going to start off with our senior member of the panel, which is Mr. Ricardo. So what's on your mind tonight? Uh, mine had a very bad uh, eating crawfish episode last night. But other than that, I'm enjoying work here in uh, kind of unseasonably cool Houston, Texas. Um, it's starting to rain profusely here where I'm at. But uh, glad to be having a decent start of the new decade. All right, that's that's good. That's what's up. So um, we always go in, in order of age, so that means our next person is Mr. Derek Thomas. Derek, what's up? What's on your mind tonight? Man, what's going on? Man, <laughs> Ricardo, um, I'm curious about this crawfish eating incident that you had, bro. I, I need to know what happened. Let's just say... Uh... Oh, Ricky boy won't be partaking in that division again. <laughs> Did the crawfish bite you back, bro? <laughs> let, let me say when uh, it, it wasn't cooked well and uh, me and my bathroom were best friends. Yesterday. Oh, man, that's too much information. <laughs> well, um, of course, y'all know I'm down here in Baton Rouge and, and I'm just glad to be back on the podcast talking Bulldog sports. However... Sad I am about yesterday's results. Right. Okay. Yeah. Bad boy, baby. So, um, next is my close personal friend, uh, early adopter of cell phone technology, Mr. <laughs> Jeremiah Short. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, not much, man. Just glad to be back from the wilderness uh, on my mini retreat to uh, finish my latest book. So I'm just excited to kind of get back here and talk about Bulldog sports and just all this smoke going on right now. I mean, honestly, I can't remember Mississippi State being this exciting outside of football season in a long time. Like just things to talk about. Maybe it's because we do a podcast on it and we're just discussing it more. But I can't remember the last time Mississippi State has had this much drama surrounding this program. I mean, we've had times where we didn't like the coach or different things going on. But I just can't remember it ever being this was just mess or drama, and that may be part of the issue of probably what we're going to discuss tonight, but I can't remember the last time we had this much going on with the program. All right, so, Jeremiah, for anybody that doesn't know, what what is your book about? Well, it's, it's a bit biblical, but um, speaking of like, like now that I'm an educator, I know I wrote a book last year, or really I write reflections on Sunday. I kind of talk about like what I learned that week, and I kind of just talk about just the different things I learned throughout the week, just on different days throughout that week or different moments. Uh, so my second book is called As I Took My Walk With God, Volume 2, and it's titled Greatness Was Upon Them. So I talk about my rookie year as a teacher and just the different challenges that I went through, whether it's professional, um, whether it's spiritual, and just that journey of kind of taking my kids to from where we was like the worst performing classroom on the floor to one of the, the best performing classrooms and 90% of them passed the test. So taking it from where 30% passed to 90%. So it kind of just talks about that journey. Okay. You know, that sounds uh, very interesting. I personally am thinking about writing an autobiography. I already got a name picked out. It's going to be Mind Pump Part 2. All right. Oh my so, um, like I say, let's go ahead and get into the topics. The first one is the Music City Bowl vent session. What is we... What is we angry about? Why did we lose? Is there anything positive for us to take out of the game? Now, let me tell you something, brother, before I hand it off to the other guys. I went over to um 
hopefully my friend doesn't listen to this. He don't he don't support shit that I do anyway, so he's probably not. But this friend's <laughs> name is Frederick Stewart. If anybody is paying attention, okay. So he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, man, I'm gonna you know put put some on the grill, and I'm gonna um you know make some rotel. You know, you want to come over." You know, I had my own stuff that I planned on barbecuing or whatever, but I was like, you know, I'm going to go on here. You know, I ain't hung out with the dude in a little minute or whatever. You know, it should be cool. Um, Sometimes the, the food can be a little bit dubious, but yeah, whatever. So I get over there. I get myself a nice little plate of rotel or whatever, put it in my mouth, and I was like, why does shit taste like it was made with ground rat meat? So, um... I'm like, how do you manage to fuck up Rotel? But he did it. I didn't even know that it was possible, but he did it. So he's like, you know, hey, man, you know, uh, yeah, it do taste kind of funny, man. What what do you think I can do to salvage it? I was like, throw it all away. So um, fortunately, the Rotel was remade, and it was pretty good. You know, we had some deer sausage or whatever. You know, it was a pretty nice environment. The game was trash. Uh, everything that could have gone wrong did. Um, we were doing pretty good when we were just pounding a rock with the running back whose name isn't Kylan Hill, whose name escapes me right now, but whatever. Um, we were doing pretty good with that. And then for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to start throwing the ball and stuff like that. And I'm like, y'all know that our pass protection is trash. Y'all also know that our receivers, you know, um... It was the night before New Year's Eve. They was practicing dropping balls already. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, the game was pretty much doomed to failure. Uh, Louisville wasn't even that good. We were just ass. So um, that's my opinion on it. So I'm going to hand it off to Derek Thomas and see what his analysis of the game was. Well, aside from that first drive, well, Willa Gay stopped them from scoring. The game was an utter crap show. I mean, yeah, we jumped up 14 nothing, And then per, uh, didn't give up 31 unanswered to Louisville. Now, um, Louisville uh, is out of the ACC. You know, um, of course, you know, we all know who the king of the ACC are, uh, Clemson. But this is the team who we have beaten up on in every sport when we've played them recently. Football, men's basketball, baseball, um, women's basketball. I think they did put us out of the uh, college baseball World Series this year, I think. But we did beat them a couple times. It was disappointing to watch. And at times, I thought I felt like the team quit. I didn't see a sense of urgency. Um, I did not see any offensive innovation, something that, you know, has plagued us all year. It was just pitiful to watch. Okay, so um, now we're going to go to uh, my man who spent the last few days in the woods or whatever. So now he's feeling like super masculine. Mr. Jeremiah Short, what's what's happening? What what did you think about that? I don't know if I feel that masculine. I didn't even know how to make a Did fire. you fight a bear? I don't know. I don't know how to I can't say I'm the most masculine. I was still living relatively modern. I was texting people and still on a computer while I was there. But uh it was just a retreat to to finish a book. But no, just just to recount a little bit of that. I did see an alligator. I did get a chance to walk a little bit on the nature trail. It was cold. I couldn't see nothing. It was Almost feeling like you were in the wilderness, although I was in a heated cabin. But yes, I have been in the wilderness. So I didn't get a chance to watch the game live. I was able to watch it on replay. It seemed like we started off pretty strong, like we were in full control of the game. It seemed like we just lost steam as the game went on. And I, I mean, I'm not really overly upset by the game, but I think the thing you have to look at, and it's not making excuses. And I guess some of them have said I've made a lot of excuses, but I'm just looking at the facts of the situation. I'm looking at the game and the fact that Errol Thompson was hurt. You know, he was out. Then you got Colin Hill, whatever. Uh, then Brian Cole didn't play. Then Cam Dantzler didn't play. I think it was a game who was just like – it almost seemed as if – and I think somebody mentioned it, that, like, the coaches looked at it almost like it was a practice game. We played a lot of young guys. 
it just seemed like a game and we just were just trying to get game reps or something. Like the the win total really, really didn't matter. And I don't know if that's an indictment. I think the game was meaningless in my opinion. I don't think it really meant a heap of difference anyway. But at the same time, you know, that that's what I saw. And that kind of speaks to some of the problems. I guess we're going to talk about a little bit more in this podcast, the cultural issues and some things I wrote about even in my um, column that I posted yesterday. So it's just, I don't know. Like, I'm not really mad about the game. The only thing I'm really mad about is how the fans are acting. I understand people are upset, but the thing that keeps bothering me is just the fact that fans are bashing the coach. Joe Moorhead is going to be our head coach. Then you're saying right now is going to change that right now. From an optics, everything standpoint, you just can't do. Like, people want him fired. I'm like, okay, I just saw something where we got nine guys enrolling mid-year. That's not saying, oh, my God, we're going to be good next year. That's just saying we got half of our recruiting classes already basically going to be on campus. And so if you fire the coach right now, you're just asking for a world of just just a bunch of stuff going wrong. Guys going to ask for releases. I just think it just wouldn't be wise if you just want to look at it from that standpoint. Like, you need players. So you can't just release the coach when most of the guys signed early in most teams. So, like, who, like it's just – I don't know. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. So I understand what people are mad about. I can see if they want changes. It's just, I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff going on right now in our program. Just overall, the players, the coaches, the fans, it's just bad right now. Right. So, Jeremiah, why are you doing all this sniffling and stuff? Did you get cold while you was out there on I've the been, trail? I've been the sniffles for the past five, six days. Oh, okay. Um, you might want to go get that checked out. Or lead him out alone. All right, Ricardo, what did you think about the game? I know you're the most, you're going to have the most level headed explanation for what went wrong out of all of us. I'm certain of it. No, man. Uh, Well, honestly, uh, if I could recall, uh, when we made the bold prediction a few weeks ago, I feel like I, I probably was the only sore of thumb that stuck out that picked Louisville to win. And um, I said that they would win by maybe like 10 points or a little bit more of that. I said it wasn't going to be a blowout, but at the same time with the score, wasn't indicative, indicative of the uh, the whole outcome because uh, State had a 14-point lead that jumped out to that, and the whole – it basically turned into 9-11 after that when the planes hit the – well, not when the planes hit the building, but when the bombs blew up in the building. Um. It, it, it got ugly after that, and I felt like it was a basically a piss poor effort by the coaching staff, and it, we 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 should have put out of better effort than that. This I don't know how much longer they're gonna keep making excuses for Morehead, saying that I don't I, he his his stubbornness has basically put us in a, a stagnant space of okay, what are we gonna do now? And all this wait till next year type stuff. This is the outlook we've had since forever. Like when? It, when is it going to be that year? Because I take it as you've seen a lot of coaches get go to schools, and this school was in way better condition than it was when he came in. Than probably any other uh, Power Five school. And he basically all he had to do was just ride the Ferrari, don't strip the gears. But he he didn't, and this this can't keep happening. Like I I'm a diehard fan, just like everybody that's on here and everybody that's listening. And I'm not gonna go totally all balls out about how I feel. I'm gonna keep it pretty much G G rate, and I'm I'm sick of it. Like we we've got people in, we've got the recruits. Okay. It's like you got the grocery, so when you gonna start cooking and is the food like when you gonna start cooking good food? And you had the you had the groceries last year, this past year, and year before that, and you burnt it all up. You you served us Cajun. So now what? And I feel like if we give him the the opportunity this year, this should be it. He should be on a short leash this coming up season for twenty twenty. Because now. Now you have your recruits in here. So now, as as Brother Jeremiah got in here, he he he's done a lot of pageant for you. And and I'm 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 wanna I wanna be optimistic and and 
look, you know what I'm saying, see it from his side. But, hey, after next year we get these same results, your boy got to get the X. I'm talking about the sharpen X, like ISIS X. Room, room, X. No more excuses. But that, that's pretty much what my thoughts on this is. Yeah, so did you just sneak in at 9-11 was an inside job reference? Mm, pretty much. Oh, well, very interesting. I'm not going to dive into that can of worms. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, I guess that's the venting that we have for the Music City Bowl uh, F that game. Let's talk about something a little bit more interesting. Um, last week, uh, we talked about the fact that um, they said that Garrett Schrader had two black eyes. But what they at, though? I mean, seeing him on the sideline of the Music City Bowl, you know, look like his eyes been like that all his life. So, um, new information about the whole incident. Can a team recover from the the altercation? Um, can the can the fan base recover from that in the whole KT situation in 2020? And uh, will it cost us Garrett Schrader? Will it cost us Willie Gay? Will it cost us both of them? It's kind of hard to say right now, but I'm going to hand it over to Jeremiah Short so that he can help us sort this out. Where is well, Jeremiah Short to, to make sense of all of this? Well, everybody heard calling him this. And well, I'll say with this, um, just be serious. Um, <clears throat> like some of the things I was saying in the column, as far as, and I guess to promote my column like Stephen A. Smith would do, do on the show. But although I mentioned Black Dogs Matter Sports Podcast, anyway, but. I think the thing is, it's two different things going on with both players. Like, the fight isn't just about a fight. I think the fight itself is a microcosm of what's probably going on with the program. Offensive, defensive player. You're looking at a Gary Schrader guy who's got a lot of hype this year. And just the fact, it isn't the fact of what he allegedly said. It's just the fact that he feels confident enough just to, not confident enough, cocky enough to just say what he wants to an upperclassman. Because this should be still like a totem pole there in that situation. Like, I don't know, like, what would possess him to actually say anything to him as far as slick or anything like that. So I think even if he had just said something to him about the hit just in general, even without any type of choice words being said, I think it still would have been an issue because it just shows, like, his overall just attitude. So I think that's an issue in itself. And I think then you lump in the fact that he's really not the best thrower in football. It's kind of like, do you – like keep a guy like that around. I know fans are like, I think the thing is right now with Gary Schrader, and even I'll say this, I know I kind of went at some of the black fans is how they were just caping for KT. I think a lot of that, understand I've said it before, as far as like with a lot of the white fans, they're ride for Gary Schrader. Like he's our QB of the future. And I'm looking at it like from a functional, just looking from a practical standpoint with Gary Schrader. He cannot throw. He can't. Like I'm just watching him up close when I went to the AM game, watching him all season. He cannot throw the football period. Like, that's not even, like, a debate to me. Like, I've watched him. He cannot throw the football functionally. I've seen him struggle with out routes and short passes, not intermediate, not deep balls, short passes. He cannot throw. You cannot bank on him as your quarterback of the future. So that bothers me just in itself. So I do think there's an element there where there are some fans that are riding for him because he does have the profile and they are kind of riding for him because he's a white quarterback. I think that is an element with him. And I've stated this before. So I think that's an issue. Um, but I do think, I think Moorhead should have a, a serious sit down with him. No, maybe you don't necessarily kick him off the team per se. And I mean, at this point, that's probably not going to happen as far as I know. But at the same time, like, I think a serious discussion needs to happen with that situation. I don't think you could just let it be, oh, this was just a practice fight. You don't have a practice fight before a bowl game. How many times have you heard of something like that that actually happened? Most of the time that stuff happened like in in like during the season, maybe, or something happened in like fall practice in spring. That's normally when that type of stuff happened. Even when I played football, that's normally when that stuff happened. You have beef with people, you used to eat that stuff and grill it during the season. So that's kind of bothersome. So you look at Willie Gay. I know people love him. He's an extraordinary talent. I think he's a first round top 10 talent. That's how good I think he is. I mean, his 
He's six foot, 242, 243, can run. He's a playmaker. He can play the pass. He can rush the passer. He plays tough against the run. I mean, he got everything that you want in a linebacker. But, like, we've seen him get in trouble in games. The I don't really care about the Tudor Gate thing. He's not the first athlete to get caught cheating or cheat on anything. Like, he just got caught. So, I'm not going to, you know, hold that part against him. But there's some elements you like, what are you doing hitting your quarterback before a bowl game? Like, it just, like, the decision-making there, like, you just got to wonder. I don't care what he said unless he talked about your mama or, like, your child or something if you have one. You just don't do that. I don't care what he said to you. Like, you just don't do that. So it's kind of just, I don't know, it's just it's just bad to me. Like, there's it, a lot of it, like, with the program and overall culture, right now that a lot of people are really talking about is what a lot of people are talking about, I guess on social media and the message boards and things like that. And a lot of people are addressing it. The culture of the program is bad. That's not a good look. And I ain't never heard that about a Mississippi state program when it comes to drama. Nobody's ever stated that the culture was bad. Maybe they would say like, you know, we don't have really a winning culture per se, but they would never say just the culture overall. We on some Texas A&M Johnny Manziel stuff right now. So that's just really my overall thoughts right now. It's just, it's just a lot of things I feel need to be addressed. And I'm hoping within the next couple of days, we'll see what happened with the coaching staff and all those different things. We hadn't got to the action steps yet, but it's just a lot of stuff just going on with the program right now. And it kind of bothered me as a, as a bulldog. So Jeremiah, let me ask you this, uh, in your article or just in general, um, did you address what was allegedly said or what? I don't think I actually said anything about the because I didn't want to throw in an alleged N word because that's inflammatory. I hear you said it now. Well, you know, and that was put out there and like, and I know me and Derek have had this. We had the discussion I think the other day, but I was saying like I don't care. Was it Derek? I can't remember. Anyway, I I feel like even if he said the N word or said something to that effect, like 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 I said, unless he talks about your mama or your unborn child. You do not put your hands on him. Like somebody said, you really got to think about what you were thinking. Somebody's thinking about hitting your quarterback before the bowl game. Like under any circumstances, I don't care what he did. I can see if you get upset or it needs to be addressed or somebody stepping in, but it kind of speaks to an overall cultural problem that guys are just that comfortable doing this. You fighting with media out there. You didn't fight just at practice. You fighting after practice with your helmets off. Most of our guys fake fighting, punch each other in the face mask or something like that. These dudes are fighting the helmet's off. Like I Well, Jeremiah, let me ask you this. Have you considered that maybe uh what Garrett Schrader with what you're saying that maybe what Garrett Schrader allegedly called him is actually true? If, even if it's true, that's what I keep saying. Like I think like even if it's true, you can't do that. Like and this goes to a large No, point. I'm saying that that Willie Gay actually is what he called him. Oh. Well, I don't even know how to really respond to that one. Well, it's kind of like what I said. Uh, it's kind of like what I said last week on the podcast. Is either one or two things. I use the A and B thing that you like to use. It's either A, Gary Strader, like the guys on the team don't like him or have an issue. This is before we even found out what happened. Um, I stated this, but either A, Gary Strader is an issue and the guys on the team have a problem with them. Because I stated when I was in high school, I hit the quarterback late, but I ain't like him either, so – what else? Or Willie Gay isn't the best person himself. Or it might be both, as far as we can see right now. So that's kind yeah, of I'm talking about. Both need to go. Is that Derek? Yes, I would like to speak when Jeremiah's done. Oh, you got it right now. Okay, so basically listening to you, you're blaming this whole thing on Willie Gay. That's what I think. From, from you saying, oh, you can't do this to your quarterback, maybe the quarterback shouldn't do what he did to get hit. You feel me? You cannot just make like Willie Gay should just, it's just all his fault. It takes two to tango. And I, let me finish because I let you finish. Um, the, the, the running back who was used to be a linebacker stated that Willie Gay did not start the situation. So we have a statement from a player that says that whatever started the situation was not started by Willie Gay. It was started by Gary Schrader. 
And it don't matter if you're a quarterback. If you going to talk noise to people, you better be able to back it up. You can't be crying wolf for somebody because they got the short end of the stick. That's just like a person going around bullying somebody. When they get their ass whooped, uh, they want to cry wolf or call police for assault. You know, yes, does it look bad on the program? It does. But we should not just be putting the blame on, on Willie Gates. Garrett Shredder deserves equal blame as well. I am sorry he got his overbrown phone broke, but maybe he'll think about whatever caused his situation, not doing it again. Because I don't, you know, we've already, you know, talked about the supposedly rumors. And what was rumored to be said, that is something you do not say to a black person. all bets go out the door when that word flies. At that point, if that's the word that was said, Willie Gates wasn't giving a damn if Garrett Schrader was his starting quarterback because he wasn't giving a damn that Willie Gates was a starting linebacker. So you say possibly say that word or whatever started this situation. Both are at fault. Now, in your column, you said maybe both should be gone. Uh, I mean, uh, there were uh, stories written that said that they talked, they squashed it, they, they, they hugged it out or whatever. But if there is this potential cultural issue, it needs to be stamped out like smoke with a bell, stomping out a damn forest fire. Get it fixed now. Get the discipline in now. Rain everybody in. Not just Willie Gay, not just Gary Schrader the whole damn team anybody and everybody because this ship is about to sink we have hit an iceberg in starkville and right now if we're going to be sinking just like the titanic if this does not get sick who is that breathing hard like that i think that's aj i mean it might be i don't know it shows you on the Uber grief, man. But oh, still, we're man. like the Titanic. Well, for real, we're like the Titanic right now. Um, and we need to get it fixed. The you t- know, t- whatever t- issues we have, we need to get them fixed. I'm done. The Titanic? Yes, we're like a sinking ship right now. I mean, we, we, we're about no, to no, hit I'm the iceberg. To out what is the Titanic? You don't know what the Titanic is. Ah! You saying the word wrong? <laughs> the Titanic, man. The boat. The you don't know what the Titanic is. That big long ass movie that we had to watch. You no, no, you're not hearing. Oh my god, me. AJ, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. The Titanic. <laughs> How do that you is say? the weirdest pronunciation of Titanic I'd never heard in my life. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a, it's a ship that hit the damn iceberg that sunk. <laughs> Titanic, what's wrong with the way I'm saying it? How are you saying it's it? Titanic. Titanic, <laughs> Titanic whatever, however. Say the Titanic. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying it fast. The Titanic, whatever. You should know what I'm talking about. The Titanic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Woo, it's a good thing that I have myself on mute. <laughs> All right. Um, woo. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Ricardo. I know he's going to have a titanic opinion about this. Well, y'all here, man. Fuck you, AJ. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Derek, I got what you were saying, man. But uh, uh, wow, that's a. Whew. I'm I'm gonna tread softly on this on this subject. Um, you know what? Epic. Trader was dead wrong with this. I, I don't I don't care if you the quarterback, the running back, special team coach, whoever. Like, you got to know what you're doing before you put your foot in your mouth, you know. And, yeah, now were both of them 
probably I was wrong. And I, I can't I can't speak to the fact that because I, I'm not inside Willie Gay's body, his head, I'm not his hormones, I'm not his emotions. Because I know I probably would have reacted the same way if if someone would have called me a, a racial epithet, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? We're we're we can we're we can say what we would do, but until that really happens to you and it comes comes face face to face, man, like hey, somebody somebody white call you that man, it's just like your blood will get the boil. Somebody that don't look like you call you that. Like if your your blood will get the boil and you're just gonna react a certain way. But you know, me, I, I don't it, it shouldn't be made out of a racial thing, but at the same time, like I'm gonna ride with the guy that looks like me because like in our actuality, like we can't be racist. Like no way more possible. We you know what I'm saying, we're we're the oppressed. We we've never been the oppressor. So with that being said, I I don't see anything with him being wrong, like him breaking it over the bone. But hey, you you knew what you were uh, chewing on when you bit off it, man. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he had he well, he had it coming to him. You can't be talking about nobody and calling somebody out his name. I don't nigga ain't on his uh, ain't on his birth certificate. You know what I'm saying? No nothing, Rob. When the last time I checked, he named not this day. And that's on his license, that's on his social security card. So whatever's on his birth certificate and all that, that's what you call him. You know, when especially with somebody that, you know, especially with these times that's going on right now, it's so much tension. And for that to happen, like, ain't no telling that, it, ain't no telling how long that's been building up, has been pinned in. It's probably a lot going on that we don't know about. And when it comes to the culture, yeah, it comes off as more like a, like USC was back in the 2000s, or some Lane Kiffin coach team. Like this, this is uh, the Cowboys. It's like we the Cowboys of the SEC. It's always drama. Like you know, this this it's been like their basically since Morehead got here. Because last year you had Nick Fitzgerald with 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 the cocaine with, with, with being one of the coke boys. Like him, where you know, what I'm saying then with the whole situation with that. And them sweeping that under the rug, but then when it comes to the guys with the, the whole tutoring thing, y'all ready to just run them off campus? Like I think it's a lot of division and divert. Like they try to make examples out of you because something like that, I've known cats in JUCO and college that have failed drug tests or got caught with weed or something got kicked off the team. This dude is will mess with coke. It's been proven, and he still got to play and stayed on the team. I guess when boosters run things up there and call the shots, that's what happens. But people think you're crazy. You know what I'm saying, huh? What are you talking about? Like, you know what I'm saying? With the situation with uh, Fitzgerald. With that, with that situation, that, that trust me, like is is what the things that you all talk, all of us were talking about. It's true to that, man. Like, when that happened, that would have been any other school or any other player. Especially if he looked like us, oh, he would have been gone. Like, I've, I've seen people kicked off the team for lit. But let him do it because he was the one of the, the star players. Oh, they're going to sweep that under the rug. It's not fair. If you're going to do one, you got to do all. That's why I say people give Kroom a lot of flex based off the win-loss uh, column. But him being, you know, what I'm saying making uh, me and a boy, hey, you can't, you can't knock with what he was doing. I, I appreciate for what he did because he, he made men out of them boys, man. Hey, he didn't care about how many stars you had. If you messed up, you out of here. And I feel like more has lost, pretty much lost control of that locker room because a lot of stuff that's going on now, even though it wasn't as prevalent as it is now, Chrome, like Chrome was our, our coach. When none of that stuff been going on, whether it was Kylan or whatever, who on that social media stuff, social media was back, was was in in back then because I was living in Starbucks from between '05 to '07, but it wasn't as as popular as it is now. Like MySpace, Facebook was the thing then, but not as popular as it is now. But like that's what I'm saying. Like they have to do something and do something quickly. But at the same time, when you had like I said, when you got the boost and you got the you got your hand in the cookie jar. You know that's money funneling. If you do that, you gonna lose out on money. 
but that's just my opinion on that. I, I, I feel like something needs to be done in quick, fast, in a hurry. Best thing, best scenario, best case scenario is Shredder needs to needs to uh, transfer with a game going on. Where that's our, that's our golden goose right there. Why would you make him leave and let Shredder stay? That's that's a potential top top five pick. I'm gonna go a little further. He'll be a potential top five pick next year. So why let the top five pick go and keep this? We don't know what we're getting out of. That that that'll be that'll be stupid. Right, right, right. So that actually brings us to our um, next and what's supposed to be our last topic, but I'm actually going to bring something else up. Um, The third topic is action steps for Obviously, there are some titanic changes that need to be made to the program. So (laughs) what are some things that we can do to get the program back on track? So I'm going to start this topic off. With Derek Thomas. What's the question again? Some things that we can do to get the to get the program back on track for next season. Like, are there some things that we need to do with the staff? Are there some things that we need to do just from a philosophical standpoint, or what? Like, what are some things that we can do to get this thing back right? And fire more heads. We're stuck with them. Well, offensively, we need a better offensive game plan. Kentucky got both eligible with a wide receiver playing quarterback. People knew what was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. You mean to tell me everybody wants to make excuses about our quarterback play, about our line play, about this and that? A head football coach will adjust. When When something isn't working, you find something that does work. You know, you put players in positions where they can be successful. All season long, we put players in positions where they were not successful. It just didn't work. I mean, even when we had some success offensively, the the offensive, I guess, game plan was so vanilla. Like, when I look at our routes, I, I didn't see any routes that actually took advantage of the defense. For example, I was watching uh, Alabama play Michigan today, and we all know they have elite wide receiver talent. They do. They're going to have three wide receivers drafted this year. But their their routes that they run take advantage of defenses. Ours don't. They just, you know, run straight, run a crossing route. Where are the routes that take advantage of how the defense responds to you? to where you can get in a position to take advantage of what the defense is doing. I don't see any of that. I, I don't see the creativity that that was the Penn State offense while Joe Moorhead was there. Where is it? We're running a tech mobile offense. Defensively, while I do think uh, Coach Shoup is a good coach, we just got beaten you know, up front, you know, youth on the defensive line, injuries on at the sec in the secondary, and just you know, injuries and other issues with the linebacker core. But use your depth. Maybe someone on that bench could have provided a spark. You have three and four star guys on that bench. Let them play. Let them showcase what they can do. If the person who's starting isn't performing properly, that'll light a fire under their ass. That's what you do. You you bench an underperforming player. You know, you utilize your depth. Be creative, man. We need to have some change. I think – I don't necessarily know if Coach Moorhead is going to make any offensive staff changes, but scheme-wise, we definitely need some changes. Definitely. I want to see an offense that takes advantage of what the defense does. Right, and – Ricardo, I know that you want to go last, but yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm going directly to you. What are some things that you think that we need to do for next season? What are some action steps that we could take as far as staff change, changes in our philosophy? What you thinking? Well, I think the athletic director needs to talk to the, talk to the player, the student athlete. See what's going on. 
check the temperature. Uh, he should have looked at this bowl game, looked at the the tweet that I think ESPN or someone said, uh, stated on Twitter. The fact that the fact that his records after buys and bowl and prepa- uh, preparation for bowl games are in the two seasons he's been there, we haven't won a freaking game. We are zero and five. And what they need to do, I feel like personally, if I was AD, if I was athletic director, I would get rid of Moorhead. I would keep shooting. And go, I, I don't I don't know about going for a, I don't know if I should would go for a home run hire or go for someone within the, within the family. That's probably what I would do. That's just my opinion. I probably would go for somebody like either Matt Wise, bring in Jamar Chaney on, uh, go call Eric Mose, have him come back and coach the receivers, um, and a couple more people. But honestly, I think if we had the money, if we could, you know what I'm saying, scratch up enough for the boosters, because I know they have it. I would go after this little name coach that's sitting out there. They ain't got no team to coach. Um, he's from Ohio. He's he has a few national championships on this bill. Looking for a job right now. A lot of people are gonna think that oh, he wouldn't come here, but you never know. I I, I bull crap talks and everything. Hey, money talks and everything else. You know, what I'm saying hey. Something could be worked out, especially if he can pretty much run the show because he's a man of men, and he can probably make us into a contender in the instant. But we can at least compete with Bama, LSU, and the rest of them. Auburn's not going to be a – they're going to be after thought this year. But next year. So I feel like if we don't start from within homegrown, I think we should go after a high like Urban Meyer. That's just my personal opinion, but, you know, but I think it, it's some changes that need to be made, starting with if they, if you all going to do – I feel like they should do the same thing that they did to Kroon. They should do it to Moorhead. And I know you guys don't know what I'm talking about because they state never fired Kroon. Kroon was stubborn because he didn't want to let go of his, his coordinators, his, some of his staff, so therefore he resigned. They should do the same thing to Moorhead. If you can't relinquish those offensive coordinator duties, deuces. Okay. So you say that we should probably bring in, I guess, Urban Meyer. And me personally, I think that you're on crack when you say that. And yeah, I am one of those people who thinks that he never comes. But um, I know one person who's kind of out there who I I wouldn't oppose. Um Mark Richter's around. Mm-hmm. I think that there would be something. I think he may be burnt out. I I think he may be one of them types. You got to think he coached at Georgia for all those years, and then Miami went back home. He already went back home, so he might be one of them guys. He might just be like through. Yeah, I'm an announcer. I don't think he's the type that's gonna. If we're gonna go after a home, we have to go after like a home run, home run hire, like a big name. Of course, I think Urban Meyer. We don't have the money to go after a guy like that. You got to think for for Texas A and M to get Jimbo Fisher from Florida State, which is another no. Florida State's an elite program, but maybe Jimbo Fisher saw the writing on the wall at Florida State, but they they had to pony up seventy five million dollars. Like everybody keeps talking about going to get these these big name coaches. Right now, in the boat that we're in, we either gonna get a retread. And maybe look up and one of those guys does better in their second go around, or we go get a hot assistant coach. And I don't know if that's the most viable to do right now. But you know, we, um, Hugh Freeze is out there. <laughs> man, go somewhere, go on somewhere with it. And I, I think you almost have to do something. So say maybe you go get like uh, one of the Bowdens, the uh, the one that coached at Auburn, something like that. I, I think talking about the head coach as far as like changes, I don't think that's where we need to go. Because I mean. We're not gonna fire our coach. Like I, I mean, I may be shocked. They may end up doing it, but I don't. You don't fire a coach at the bowl game. The timing is horrible. You just don't do that. And then you got to think. I think fans don't be thinking about. You got to think about long term. If you're, you know, you're hiring a coach, who's gonna accept the job to come to a school where they fired you after a bowl game? Like you don't realize just the like just the optics of stuff like that. You got to think about your reputation as an athletic director or as a school. Look at say the Browns in the NFL right now. 
you think they're gonna get any legitimate coach to want to come there and coach that team? They've had like what nine coaches in like ten years or something. Like who's gonna legitimate gonna go coach at a, somewhere like that? So right now for us, okay, Derek wants to speak. Okay, I'll let after defer to Derek for the moment, finish, then you can come back to me. After you finish, sir, continue. All right, so I'll just talk. I'll just get right to the point. All right, action steps. All right, I think the first thing you definitely got to look at the assistant coaches of you don't have to get rid of everybody. I think it was a bad year, so you can't blame everything on assistant coaches because you got to have your Bobbies and Joes to work with. But what you can look at is the overall development. I think if anything, that's what assistant coaches are for. They have other roles. Some are bag men. Some are disciplinarians. Some do certain things. But at the same time, your job is develop talent. Um, I was a little disappointed and overall development of the defensive line. Yes, they were young, but I felt like some of those guys should have came along a little sooner. And because there are other programs where they play true freshmen, them guys come on. It's one thing if our guys were a bunch of just three stars. We had some guys that were four-star talents, Fabian Lovett and Jaden Crumity and Nathan Pickerings. These are four-star players. They should have been playing better sooner. They red-shirted. Like some of them guys, not Pickering, but the other two red-shirted. I felt like they didn't come along. They weren't making plays soon enough. Later in the season, they started doing some things, but I don't feel those guys developed quick enough. And you can't do nothing. He just didn't have the, the, the bullets in the chamber, in a sense, on the outside at defensive end. But at the same time, Deke Adams, I don't know, just speaking specifically of names, I think that's a position coach maybe we could look at. I mean, it may have just been a bad year for him as a coach, but I, I personally, I didn't like the development of the defensive line this year. Look at linebacker, Marv is already gone. I think that's a position, obviously, where that is already going to change because the guy left. Um, I, I think Jamar Chaney would be the right guy to slide into that role. I think he'd be good for Willie Gay. Um, just knowing him like, through the years, high football IQ, great leader. He's a guy that possibly could be one of those guys that can help reset the culture of the program. Just having him in that defensive locker room could maybe settle some of those guys down. He was a college star. He played in the NFL. I think he'd be a great fit at that linebacker position. I think people are worried about, you know, his lack of experience. I've heard that from fans and even some of the media people have stated that. But I, some people just can coach football. He can do that. So I think there's some. <laughs> All right. So there's two quick changes I will make. Receivers, I, I wish our receivers could have developed a little bit more specifically. God damn, nigga. Let Derek go. He the one said, I said I would defer to him. Nigga, I'm lying. Nigga, fake news. Derek, going on. <laughs> Boy, I, I ain't gonna lie. I forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> well, uh, I kind of agree with a lot of what you said as far as, you know, some of the staff changes. Yeah, uh, the defensive line was a disappointment. As far as Deke Adams, I think he's a good coach. I I, I don't understand why he didn't rotate his defensive ends more. Uh, Y'all know what I'm about to say. I want to see more Aaron Odom. He played in the bowl game. Uh, in the line. What's that? He played in the bowl game. Yeah, Wait, speaking of which, right game. quick, right quick, right quick. Did Chauncey Rivers sit out the bowl game? No, he played. I think he played, didn't he? He didn't really do anything. <laughs> no, seriously, Marquee was he out there, Jeremiah? I think he played. Oh, okay. And um, you he know, Marquis Spencer got hurt when he made a play, but I mean, I, I I'm curious to see is who we bring in for the linebacking coach. I would like it to be Jamar Chaney. I think cornerbacks wise. You know, T. Bug needs to stay. He's a Mississippian. He is a he has played football. He's coached football for success at a high level and successful for years. I think he's essential to continue strong defensive back recruiting. Uh, Tony Hughes, of course, is still going to be he's coaching tight ends now um, because Shoop is the safeties coach. So I guess we'll see what happens if he's gone. Because the defense, losing three first rounds, the draft picks, we've been harping on that all day, all year. 
we gotta let that go. We gotta next bulldog up. So I'm I want Jamar Chandler to be the linebacking coach. Uh I hope we bring in someone to call the offense or call a better offensive game plan than we have been with these take my bowl plays. <laughs> you know, it's just I think we're wasting our talent. I think I think once we saw Kate, uh, Schrader and Steven struggle, I would have liked to have seen KT have a chance to play this year. Uh, you know, I think he was healthy enough to play. I think whatever injury he sustained, I think he was healthy enough to give it a go. And I think we would have had a better season had he had a chance to play because at that point you, you now have three guys who have played the quarterback position, one who would definitely have the fan support if he performs well. Okay, so that was supposed to be our last topic, but I felt as though that, I mean, we got to talk about the um, basketball team a little bit. I mean, come on now. So, the men's wait so let me let me pull it up the men's played against somebody the other day i don't know who wait a sec kent state that's it and reggie perry had 26 points and 17 rebounds and he had three assists or whatever but that's that's neither here nor there all right so um Wait a second. What what the heck? I got to edit this out. Okay, so Ricardo has just indicated that he wants no part of talking about the uh basketball teams and who can really blame them. But um <laughs> Reggie Perry had 23 and he had 17 rebounds. Now, 26 and um 17 rebounds. Now, I personally, like I said, I went to the game at the Mississippi Coliseum where they lost to New Mexico State. And the thing was that I had said that at the end of the game, it was like something clicked. And that boy started beasting. He started going up. You know, when he got the ball, he went up strong. When he went up for rebounds, he was going up strong. He started out soft, and then he went up strong. And I am willing to gamble that um I hadn't got a chance to watch the replay of the Kent State game. I probably should do that. But I'm pretty sure that he probably just continued what he was doing toward the end of that New Mexico State game, except without the turnovers, I'm certain of it. So um, do you guys think that that is something that maybe he possibly figured it out before SEC season? You know, I know that we play against Auburn, I think, this weekend. So kind of what are you guys going to be looking for out of the men's team going into SEC play? I'm going to start off with Jeremiah. We just going to keep it short. (laughs) <laughs> Funny. Uh, I think, like, just balance. I think the thing is the power got restored to the force, um, seeing I just watched Star Wars in, in this particular game. And I think Nick Weatherspoon coming back is hard for me to believe they hadn't had something to do with it. And even if you look at the numbers as compared to other games, hey, our guards aren't shooting 15 shots. So it seems like he's probably getting a bit more comfortable just beasting out. And I think Vic Schaefer, not Vic Schaefer, I'm tripping, Ben Allen might may have finally just said, like, hey, Time for you to take over, and he is. So I think that gives us a little bit of balance heading into SEC season. And with the ball flowing through him, the team might actually start to win because it seemed like it was a lot more balanced with the shot taking and guys weren't just jacking up shots. So that's that's definitely a good sign heading into SEC season because if they can – and then it seems like the rotation was cut as well. So I think with that heading into SEC season, that could be a recipe for success. Okay. Um, same question for you, Derek. What are you thinking about, you know – the emergence of Reggie Perry kind of towards the end of non-conference play. And do you think that's something that we can look forward to seeing out of him when conference play starts? Man, this is something we should have been doing all year. We should have been Audrey 2 him all year. If you don't know who Audrey 2 is, that's the plan for Little Shop of Horrors. Feed him. That is your bona fide NBA prospect. Let him be the top player that he is. And I echo Jeremiah. I'm so glad to see Tyson Carter not shoot 15 shots. Also, 
a player that I feel still should be in the starting lineup led the bench. That's Iverson Marlinor with 16 points. Uh, I real I really feel like he should still be starting, but you have to have a bench in the SEC, and we have two players on our bench that can score, being DJ Stewart and Iverson Marlinor. So. I like this team right now. I'm hoping we can start having success, starting out by beating Auburn. You really want a lot. Now, uh, more important was the game between the Mississippi State Bulldogs, uh, the the Lady Bulldogs, versus the uh, University of Arkansas Whittle Rock. And... You know, I have been very, very gushy about um, a certain point guard, Aliyah Matharu, and (laughs) I was fortunate enough, I am very touched because Senpai um, acknowledged me. Um, She actually regrammed, I guess you could say, um, in her story, our post about um, the game and her performance, where, uh, remind me how many points she had, Derek? 18. 18, yeah. 18 points in, what was it, like 13 minutes or something like that? And, um, in and one she just quarter, played I it, think. Huh? Yeah, but I think that even in that one quarter, she only played like 13 minutes of it. But either way it goes, um, I like the way that she plays. And my thing is this, is that, uh, well... I know that in the Jackson State game, she had a problem with fouling. And sometimes she can turn the ball over a bit also. But the thing is this is that, in my opinion, I would say that Maya Taylor, and and don't get me wrong, I don't dislike Maya Taylor or anything like this, and I am not attacking her as a person. But I feel as though that as a point guard, as a player, she is egregiously average. Um, And... So far, the thing with uh, Vic Schaefer is that he seems to favor point guards who distribute the ball. Now, with Itty Bitty, Miss Morgan William, uh, she had points where she would go off. Like I think she had 40-something points against Baylor in the uh, Elite Eight a few years back. But that's not really what she does, or she was capable of it. But that's not what the offense asked for her to do. In my opinion, it was a moment where she stepped up because nobody else was stepping up. So it seems to me as though that Aaliyah Matharu is definitely a score-first point guard. And I'm kind of wondering how is that going to mesh? Because I found myself wondering openly, is Vic Schaefer like the Larry Brown of college basketball? Uh, women's college basketball, where it was like, okay, well, you had Larry Brown who could take the 04 Pistons, which was just a bunch of random dudes, and they won a championship together. But if you gave him a star like Allen Iverson, then they just clashed. So it's like, well, is he going to try and pull some crap with a Leo Mitharu where he tries to turn her into a, you know, a distributor who isn't called upon to score? When clearly scoring is like her game. So it's like, if you knew this about her, then why would you have her come to Mississippi State in the first place? <laughs> but, um, Derek, what are you kind of thinking about the women's basketball team in general? But in particular, you know, um, the point guard battle that we got going on right now, where it seems to be like a, a three-way race between um, Matharu, Mingo Young, and Taylor. Well, right now, uh, Mathuru is beating them both. I like her. I like the way she plays. She's very aggressive. And I'm a big fan of Maya Taylor, big fan of hers. I followed her since she was a junior in high school. I was looking for big things from her from her first time getting the start. But it just hasn't transitioned uh, on the court for her. But you have a young lady in Mathuru who is a freshman who's outperforming Taylor. She's outperforming her. So I understand you, you want to, because we had 40 points from my bench, you know, and that's good, that's big going into ACC season. You want to have starters who can 
carry the load and definitely want to have a bench that can carry the load. But sometimes you got to have five players in there that can get it going. And right now, Maya Taylor is just not uh, – I don't know why I want to call her Maya Taylor, but Maya Taylor is just isn't getting it done, I mean, right now. And when you have a player like Mathago who's showing you, hey, coach, this is what I can do. She's basically showing she deserves to start over Taylor. You know, and maybe Vic wants to save her to be uh, a weapon off the bench. I don't blame him. But sometimes you need to have a quick start. And if you need a quick start, a player like Michael Rue can get it for you. All right. So, Jeremiah, do you have any thoughts on the uh, women's basketball situation or you go sit this one out like Ricardo? No, I mean, on it. Uh, I think, like, obviously he's taking around a little bit with the team. I think right now what he's going to do, I, I think the reason why he probably doesn't play Matharu in the starting lineup because you got to look, it seems like just looking at the last game, they moved Chloe Vivi out of the starting lineup. And what you're looking at, I think all the focus in the starting lineup is going to start to go toward Rakia Jackson. She's going to be our bill cow. Like, as you've seen the last couple of games, little by little, she's kind of asserting herself as the star player. So I think you can't have somebody in the in the game who's a scorer in the starting lineup because it's going to mess up the flow. If you have Jessica Carter and you have a Rakia Jackson, you're not – you can't have somebody out there at the same time with them that's trying to score the ball too. I think it's just – they're just going to run into each other. So I think he'd probably rather her come off the bench this year because it just makes more sense until she develops more as that – that facilitator side point guard. I think that fits better with the team. So you bring her off the bench and then you can let her be your punch off the bench instead of putting them all on the court together. Cause there's only so many balls to go around. So I think that's maybe why he's not starting Mataro because it, it, it probably just wouldn't work. It'd be like two alphas out there. Lou. Yeah, I, I had myself on on mute and I had to take it off the screen. Anyway, but yeah, I kind of thought about that also. Like, if you had Rakia Jackson and Leah Matharu out there at the same time, then are there enough balls to go around? But at the same time, um, this is something that you should have seen coming when you were recruiting both of them. And part of me keeps wondering, hmm, if these people were in South Carolina, would they be having these problems? Hey, you know. I'm allowed to think out loud. Yeah, you know what? F it. I'm going to call it into question. I have reservations as to how big time of a coach um, Vic Schaefer is. And because like last year, for instance, that was supposed to be a year in which South Carolina was having an off year where they were supposed to be vulnerable. And they still played us pretty good. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, when you have Asia Taylor and what what am I talking Asia Taylor? Asia Wilson and I can't think of the other young lady who was there's name at this moment in time. But when you had both of them to leave and they're still being competitive with our team, then in my opinion, that's coaching. But, you know, I don't know. It, it, it kind of makes me wonder is uh he he are damn Mullen where like, yeah, we're having really good seasons, but are we gonna be able to win the whole thing? I don't know. Because I always say that he had like, you know, Victoria Vivians and um heck, even Tierra McCall and all the rest of them. They played well with each other, they were disciplined and all of that good stuff. But at the end of the day, they kind of remind me of the our baseball team where it's a ragtag group of guys who play really well together. But they aren't necessarily the most talented team. And when we got around to those games against people like um, Louisville and especially Vanderbilt, who had actual talent, the gap was, like, very, very, very apparent. So I'm interested to see what happens when we get around to that South Carolina game because they are freaking loaded. Like, yeah, we have an Aaliyah Matharu and we have a – Rakia Jackson, but they recruited like four of them, you know. So I don't know. That's that's one of those things that's 
going to make itself very obvious uh, sooner rather than later. So that brings us to the end of the 16th episode of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm going to do like I do every episode, and I am going to go around to the guys and get their final thoughts, and I am going to start off with Mr. Derek Thomas. What's on your mind tonight? You know, you got any social commentary, anything special you want to say? Well, I just want to wish all Bulldog fans a happy new year. Starting off 2020, I guess we're going to see what happens this year in basketball, men's and women's, and whenever football season rolls around again, how we're looking. So hopefully uh, we have a good season on the hardwood and then, of course, on the baseball diamond and softball diamond. I just can't wait to see how our squads pan out for the rest of the year. Ah, yeah, bad boy, baby. Ricardo Suggs, what's your final part and shot for the day? Uh, President saying the same sentiment. Hope everybody had a pretty productive week, and hope everybody have a safe weekend. Um, and watch out for those imbeciles uh shooting in the air last night with their guns and everything, and going and a couple of those bullets going into people's houses. That wasn't very smart. But um, just hope everything turns out good when it comes to all the sports teams as part of Mississippi State Athletics. All right, so that leaves us with Mr. Jeremiah Short. What you got on your mind tonight? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to have a bit of a social commentary. It's kind of speaking to this uh, <clears throat> the Schrader gay thing and how, you know, the possibility that the N-word was said or some said definitely was said. I think, like, um, as I, I kind of had a conversation with somebody the other day, man, we kind of got to let that go in 2020. Like, that whole overreacting to the N-word, yes, it's bad. <laughs> no one should call nobody that. Like, I'm not saying the word itself isn't bad, but the overreacting, for one, when we call each other the N-word, and there's people that even a lot of friends that are of different races call themselves the N-word. Like, this overreacting and want to fight every time you hear that and then using that as an excuse like, oh, uh, Mason Rudolph, you know, that happened. You know, he called him the N-word. And, like, we got to stop using that. Like, we got to stop using that as an excuse for any act of violence because really at the same time when you act that way and you act aggressive toward them, you ain't doing them but confirming what they said. So the thing is, it's kind of like um, I remember watching one of those old Tyler Perry plays and not what they call you, what you answer to. So I'll just leave that there for 2020 and just say everybody have a happy new year. Right. I think I'm gonna leave that one alone. Uh so I want to go ahead and echo the sentiments of Mr. Ricardo Suggs. And you know, last night in Jackson and then in other places we had incidents where people were hurt as a result of people shooting guns. Um, you know, celebrate New Year. And yesterday, I was at, you know, a local restaurant here in Jackson by the name of Babalu's uh, Tapas and Tapos or Tapos and Tapas. It doesn't matter. Uh, and the person asked me, they say, are you going to shoot tonight? And I was like, no self-respecting gun owner is going to be shooting tonight because that's how people get hurt. Like, that is idiotic. Um, the possibility of somebody getting hurt is kind of low. But it is definitely, definitely, definitely real. And people who do stuff like that are the ones who, I guess you could say, F it up for actual responsible law-abiding citizens who, you know, trying to own a gun in peace just for self-protection or whatever. Like, knock it off. It's, it's not what's up. But, uh, yeah, like I said, that brings us to the end of the episode. And in the words of Vic Schaefer, praise the Lord and go dogs. And, uh, okay, bye.